another episode of Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, here to talk to you about all things intersectional feminism, DIY, and of course the music. So, happy 30th episode, my sweet listeners. I am so pleased to have made it this far, and it's all thanks to you. The podcast is now out on multiple platforms for more ears, and I'm so excited to have more folks join our conversation. It's thanks to incredible people who continue to generously give me their time to talk about what matters to them. I couldn't be more grateful for the honesty and emotion everyone expresses so openly when speaking to me. I think that's what the world needs most, and diverse voices need to be heard the loudest. So thank you for listening, and thank you for being a part of this. So I'm thrilled to share this excitement and vigor with Eric Garlington of Great White this week. Eric has been playing music for years and has found his way to New York in search of more inclusive scenes. We talk about so much, from how happy he is to be playing in Brooklyn, to writing songs about blackness and queerness, and so much more. So let's listen to some Great White and hear from Eric. Go, then go If 
Well, welcome, Eric. Thank you so much for talking to me tonight on Anger Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. Um, how are things going up there in New York? Uh, pretty, pretty well. Uh, it's been like 70 degrees, so that's nice. Oh, that's <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. I'm so jealous. I'm down here in Florida, and we've been having the record high, like, in the upper 80s and stuff. It's like, damn, can we get that last little blast of winter back? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's coming very quickly. No kidding. It's... It's been, it's been good. Well, I'm so excited to talk to you about all things Great White. I, I'm so glad that you sent over your music to me because I would heard so many positive things about your band and what you're doing. And wow. I am so excited. I've been fixated on your music ever since you sent it over. I was actually sitting next to my partner listening to the music. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to talk to this band like now. Like, when is wow. this we can make this happen? So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Um, so to kind of start digging into things, can you tell me a little bit about how you first started getting into music and what were you playing? Um, so it was right when Drumline came out, that Nick Cannon movie, you know? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. And, like, I wasn't the best student, so my, my parents like made me join band. And of course, I was like, I want to play drums. It was like me and 90 other people, too. <laughs> they were like, here like three mouthpieces, blow into them, see which one you do best at. So it was trombone. And I played trombone for like, I guess I still play it, but I, I played it for like four or five years before I was like, I want to play something cool. So I started playing guitar at like 11 or 12. And it was just like, uh, you know, Fall Out Boy, My Chemical Romance, that, all that kind of stuff was really popular then. And I was in Alaska, so there wasn't really much to choose from anyway. Oh, wow. So I started with that, and then it got toward like progressive metal or prog rock, like at the drive and code in Cambria. And just kind of started like branching out from there. That's so awesome. Uh, were a couple of those bands like just highly motivating for you to practice with? Oh yeah, uh, at at the drive-in, it sounds easy, but it's actually really hard. Like at least when I was twelve, I haven't really like been playing uh, that <laughs> album a lot lately. But when I first started, I was like, oh, this is gonna be super easy. But it was like phrasings I never even heard of, chords I couldn't do. So it was it was very challenging. Sometimes you just need that like approach to sound where it's like, yeah, you know what? I want to try to do this. And it keeps you practicing at that point because you're such a fan. Yeah. Yeah. I used to practice for like three hours a day. Now I practice like maybe once a week. So <laughs> I had to drive. I was like, I have to learn this song. And like eventually I would get them and that was great. But now today it's just like, I don't have the time. Well, you're not a fan practice. Yeah. And you're working on your own music now. So that's exciting yeah. too in that sense. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how you started to put together Great White and even where the band name came from? Okay, so I started out in metalcore, like a lot of, you know, 16-year-olds in like 2004. And then like that band broke up and I then I got really into folk punk, which is like uh, Andrew Jackson Jihad, Paul Barabu. I don't, I don't know, is Kimia Dawson folk punk? Maybe not. I feel like, I feel like it overlaps enough, yeah. Yeah, she's, she's pretty punk to me. Yeah. Um, so that, and then I was like, ah, this is it. I want to be like the biggest folk punk artist on the planet. Which <laughs> like, you know, not that big. But I started with that. And then like, eventually I was like, I kind of want to like get an electric guitar and have some bandmates and try that whole bandmate thing all over again. So that, I spent like four years in Kansas City doing that. And we had a real folk punk name. It was um, Jib Jab Jones and the Indigo Circus. It oh was, my gosh, that is very folk punk. <laughs> <laughs> It was really, really bad. But yeah, so we did that. And then like, I just got, got really burnt out on the Midwest and the South. 
I'd only lived in red states. Even like the farthest I got was like Alaska, which is still like really conservative and like not sure. welcoming. So I was just like, I got to move. It was between Chicago, Seattle, New York, and New York won by a landslide. And maybe the first two years, I was just like in love in the honeymoon phase, and I didn't actually do any band stuff at all. <laughs> so this whole last year, I was like, I was like, okay, I'm gonna buckle down, meet bandmates, and put out this album. So like it was just from there, and then I like had band names, and I wanted it to be like great white, like the color, but mm-hmm. apparently is a a metal band from like the '80s, still around, <laughs> yeah. still playing I- shows called Great White. So we, then I went with like, oh, it'd be clever. Like great white spelled W-I-G-H-T. It'll be like a play on Holy Ghost and White Walkers and Game of Thrones. And like now <laughs> no one can spell it. No one can pronounce it. But that's what we're stuck with now. So <laughs> it's a pretty whole long-winded thing that I like it now, though. Like it took a while. I was like, I guess this is the best we can do. But like now I really enjoy it. Yeah, I was actually laughing a bit whenever I – was kind of trying to do a little bit of research to get ready to talk to you. And I kept getting the pop-up of like that eighties band. I'm just like, this is the complete opposite. Yeah. <laughs> but it, shocked to know that they were even still around. It's amazing. It's kind of his, it made me laugh if anything. Cause I'm like, I think I like what Eric's doing a thousand times better. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's pretty amazing that you kind of ended up going from, kind of scenes it sounds like they were not quite as inclusive you did mention being in red states into finding new york is the place that sounds like it feels more like a a home to you musically and socially at that point absolutely that's so wonderful to hear and i loved listening to kind of your journey in that sense during the red state blues the part one and part two and stuff i feel like i feel like that is such something i relate to i mean i'm in florida so uh, right now we're definitely red state. It sucks. Um, and like, it's just so interesting how much you understand that experience and how you can portray that musically. Thank you. Yeah, I also, you- uh, I lived in South Carolina for a while. My dad's family is in Jacksonville, Florida. So I would go there a lot. Oh, oh okay. So you're familiar then. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, it sounds like you've had quite kind of a journey of places that you've been, of course with your personal life and musically. So that's so amazing to me. Um, So one of the things I really like about Great White is you have such a range of sound. I can hear that folk punk in your music. I can hear emo influence and some like heavier punk as well. Um, How did you kind of start to settle on what sort of sounds that you wanted to have Great White have in the music? Um. It's always been, because the thing is, I, I don't actually like really listen to that much punk music. Like my main influence has always been uh, progressive metal, flash progressive rock and hip hop. And I was just kind of just like, well, I can't rap and I can't play guitar that well. So I just like would come up with a song, like I would hear, say like a chord in like a, in a prog rock song that I'd never heard before. And I'd just be like, that was really cool. I want to write a song with that in it. So it kind of just like goes from that, like I'll hear like, a scale or something and just be like, I want to write a song around it. And it's always like the songwriting comes first and then the lyrics come last, but it's never been like super influenced by punk. Like emo is still like pretty new in my life. Mm-hmm. I think uh, like the front bottoms and modern baseball, like was where the first like emo bands that have been like, Oh wow. Like this is a genre that I really like, which is mm-hmm. only like, what four or five years ago that modern baseball's first album came out. Yeah. <clears throat> No, that's really interesting. How do you kind of feel that being exposed to these genres, and I'm sure other people like myself have kind of brought up some of the sounds and like ways that your music is so dynamic. 
Um, how does it feel to kind of be almost in some ways introduced to these other like genres or in some ways communities? Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Like I always hear a different thing from a different person. Like one guy after a show is like, oh, I love that acoustic grunge music that you play. And one guy is like, I've never heard a black man play blues like that. Or like, it's always like what they know. And then they're mm -hmm. like, try and like put us into that, which you know, sometimes it's like offensive, you know, but a lot of times it's just like, oh wow, I've never heard of this kind of music or this band. It's always like, oh, you sound like this band from the nineties. And it's like, I wouldn't know. So then I go <laughs> and listen to the band. It's like, okay, I can see where they, where they hear that. Sure. It's like a kind of roundabout way to learn more about the scene that I am in. It's like kind of just I'm an outsider in it. That's so interesting that, I mean, I can understand a little bit about that with the way that you kind of write your music. A lot of your music kind of seems to be perceiving a little bit of the experience as an outsider. Um, and also, it's interesting that you're living that now, being involved in music too. Yeah, yeah. It's, I don't know. I never expected to even be in New York. So like all of the, all of like the, the music scenes that are available to me now, it just blows my mind to hear, talk about music with people, to hear what they think we sound like or, you know, their opinions on it. So it's just always something new that's really amazing to me. Has there been somebody that uh, you've been compared to that you ended up listening to later and being like, oh, I really like this and I've latched onto it? Um, what are they called? Um, Jeff Rosenstock. Yeah. Which uh, I guess he just put out an album like last week. <laughs> and it was like, I, you know, I've heard about him here and there. I don't think I ever actually, but someone was like, oh, you remind me of Jeff Rosenstock. I listened to that album like literally yesterday. And I was like, wow, this is really good. Like, I'm glad someone told me that so I could find this. Yeah, that's so exciting. Well, it's always good whenever there's something positive that comes out of that kind of conversation and then you find somebody else you really like. So that's yeah, so, yeah. that's so awesome. Well, um, I'm disappointed it took me so long to get around to this, but I really love The Suburbs of Ruin My Life. This is like an incredible record. If I had known about it sooner, it probably would have been on my top 10 list of 2017. Amazing oh record. Thank you. Thank uh, you so much. Of course. Um, what was it like for you writing and recording this? I know some of the songs were developed over some years, actually. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I had, I've had that album name, like, floating around for – at least four or five years now so i was like this is the theme this is going to be the theme of the album so i had to like i had to cut like a, quite a few songs i think it was originally it was going to be like 16 songs wow they just, the other four just didn't really go with the theme at all so it was just like a lot of spinning like especially like the last three two years before here of just like kind of being in a honeymoon phase not doing anything music i had a lot of time to like be like does this track like where track lists work just like flow well, does it make sense in a narrative standpoint? So I always just wanted everything to be like its own little story inside of a bigger story, like the chapters of the whole story. That was like the whole main goal. That's amazing. And I feel like you accomplished that because they do feel like very personal, intimate stories that you're having a conversation with people with. Um, I've, it actually felt like, you know, you were sitting in front of me. I could visualize it in my head as I was listening to the record and just like sharing everything like intimately and it's I feel like it's such a beautiful experience whenever an artist can do that and I find it very rare um what what kind of helped you unlock some of that uh ability to share so personally and so candidly um at one point in my life I was just like tired of trying to you know be in the closet 
live for other people, not disappoint my parents, all of these things. And I was just like, you know, I'm moving to New York. That's just like not the place you go to to do that. So I was just like, I'm just going just gonna to do it and see how it goes. And it's just like, it was really relieving, you know, like being in the Midwest or the South, you can't be other and not have a ton of conflict or just everyone wants to have their two cents in about how you should live your life. So I was just like, I just want to do this and have it out there. And maybe someone else who feels the same way will feel less alone, feel understood or like listened to finally. Yeah, I, I totally got that feeling and it's so connective. And one of the things that I feel like made the biggest impression on me is how you seem outright pride, like proud of your identity, of your blackness and your queerness. Um, and it's amazing to hear that, you know, once you made this move to New York, you kind of felt like you could open yourself up. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I used to be like pretty, I don't say introverted, but like I never really had many friends. I, I, I Growing up, I hung out with my brother and his friends. And then like, you know, it was time to form my own. And then when I did, it was like anime club, like Japan culture club. I went to anime conventions. So I was like a pretty nerdy kid, you know, unquote. Yeah. And I was just, I don't know, starting from that. So getting bullied my entire life to like being nerdy and then being like, oh, I think guys are kind of cute to, to that right after. It's like always being uncomfortable, always being silent while people are just like having their opinions on blast and you can't do anything because you're outnumbered like 50 to one. So it's just like a gradual thing of learning to be comfortable, learning to be myself, learning how to like talk to people, at, even if it's in a confrontational way, like trying to get them to see where I'm coming from. Cause you know, you get in arguments and everyone's just yelling at each other and like no one wants to listen. So like, or like not black enough, like it's literally like a conversation I've had where I'm like, I'm gonna try not to lose my, my cool. We're gonna talk about it calmly, see how it goes. And most of the time it never worked, but it was good to try. So just like a lot of time and patience just trying to like, be okay with myself and then having that be my outward appearance to everyone else and having them like understand. Well, you, you convey it so beautifully because just as a person of color myself, sometimes you do have that area and uh, not black enough. I relate to it more as somebody who is Latina. So yeah. for me, it's like sometimes, you know, you end up with those conversations where kids don't talk to you enough because you don't speak fluent Spanish or yeah. your skin isn't the tone that they assume that you should be or any of that. So um, listening to that song was great for me personally processing my feelings toward um, both my ethnicity and also understanding the feelings of a person, another person of color in that situation. So that rawness was beautiful to explore and the directness of it is empowering. I feel like you have that so much in your music. It's amazing. Thank you so much. Definitely. Really I remember yeah. when I first wrote that song, I didn't really want to play it because I, you know, was in Missouri on the border of Kansas. <laughs> and I, you know, played it for my fiance and she's like, no, you should definitely play it. Like, it'll go fine. And like, of course, I would get heckled and people thought it was a joke or they were just, you know, the final line is, who are you to tell me I'm not black enough? And then like some drunk people at the bar would scream, you're not black enough. And everyone would laugh. So like, <sighs> I actually stopped playing it for years until like moving to New York. And so far it's been great. There's been no incident. I think it helps that, you know, some of the community that we get exposed to, of course, the DIY community is not perfect by any means, but I feel like a lot of the scenes that have, it sounds like, have gathered around your music in that sense are more supportive in that way. Yeah, yeah, it's been like a stark contrast since being here. It's like way more positive and like understanding, for sure. That, 
That's, that's so great to hear. I'm always happy when I hear people talk about those kind of experiences. Um, and I love that your music is inclusive in that sense as well. I mean, you're talking about reproductive rights for women and diversity across the board. Um, not, not all people, I feel like, are conscious of the struggles of all minority groups or all people who identify as non-men. Um, yeah. what, is that part of personal politics that you decided to kind of bring forward as well? Yeah, I just felt like, I don't know, being surrounded by bands with nothing but straight white men, I was just like, if I'm going to be the only, like, black queer person in this whole state in a band, then, like, I had to bring my whole team with me. It kind of felt like, like, everyone, everyone needed to be heard, or at least, like, a little shout out if I could, since there are, like, so many words in the song sometimes, but just, like, just wanting to just let people know that, you know, like, this is where we stand as a band. There's not going to be any kind of like going against that. If you're not with it, then like that's just not for you. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I feel like that stance just definitely comes through and it shines through so much in your music. And um, I like your takes also, it seems like on the DIY community as well, because I personally really loved their Turns out there aren't that many perks to being a wallflower. Yeah. <laughs> that song is so freaking relatable. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, for me personally, it's like, I feel like I went through this phase of um, stepping away from adolescence into adulthood while being in the DIY scene, um, just yeah. to kind of explain a little bit of my situation. I mean, I bought a house and then it seemed like all the punks wanted nothing to do with me for a while and like yeah. got a big girl job, that kind of thing. And yeah. after that, I was like, all right, um, so who's my real friends kind of situation? And why yeah. is it like you have to define what is and isn't DIY and who is and isn't? And how do you party and how do you not party? And just that sort of exploration. I literally felt like somebody out there finally understands how I feel. And that was incredible. Can you kind of talk a little bit about that song, too? Um, I actually wrote that one, or at least the first draft of it, when I was... 21 I think maybe 20 going into 21 and it was I worked at forever 21 for like two years too long and it was just like you know we'd only hang out to, to get really drunk and like then I wouldn't see them you know like my birthday no one shows up hey I'm having a, a potluck everyone brings something no one shows up like actual meaningful times where we could actually bond and make a real friendship and not just get really drunk no one would show up then like it got to a point where like I just projected that like it happened so much to me that I started doing it to other people, mm. like the friends that like genuinely were like, "Hey, I think you're really cool. We should hang out." And I would just blow them off also. So it kind of just like it was such a toxic thing that I had to step back and be like, "I'm actually doing the same thing now that people were doing to me a year ago, and it's not working out for anyone." So I just kind of had to be like, "I need to give people a chance and like meet real artists that want to do things and create." and not just go to a kegger every Friday and Saturday. Yeah. So, like, I, I realized I wasn't, like, I was I was also at fault, was the whole big, my whole big realization. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely one of those challenges that I feel like is hard to handle as a creative and as somebody who's going through life changes too, because, I mean, uh, at one point, I think because I got tired of being snubbed, I started to become reclusive. And I had to be yeah. like, oh, wait, you need to actually go hang out with people and say yes when they invite you to do stuff, you know, like stop pushing back. So that's so interesting that you kind of mentioned that, you know, finding meaningful time with people on whether it's on your accord as well as somebody else's, because 
as a creative, I feel like it's hard to sometimes find the people that have the same interests as you and also have the same attitudes as you in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. It was the same thing. Like I said, you bought a house, like me and my fiance moved out of our party house where we had like eight roommates and we moved into our own little place and no one, and then all of a sudden no one was there anymore. So yeah, yeah it's you grow up in like wild. being punk in other people's eyes and they're like, they don't want to be around you. Yeah. The, the good part that kind of came forward as a result, of course, is like, you know, you start to find out who your true friends are when they come forward. And I love that you mentioned that kind of aspect in the, in your song as well, because you kind of get to identify who the real people are that matter. And um, you kind of start to rebuild your community in that sense. I know that I've been very fortunate that I've, I've found the punks that love no matter what, and they can yeah. chill with coffee or, you know, alcohol if you want it kind of thing. Uh, or, you know, it's, it's, you can have both <laughs> if yeah. you meet the right people. And it sounds like you've got the same thing going for you too. Yeah, it's great. Like it's a healthy balance, especially like before you move to New York, everyone says like, oh, it's so hard to make friends. It's such a lonely experience. But like I just got lucky and posted like on Reddit about any good shows coming up. And that was over a year ago now. Now, like, all of my best friends are from that one Reddit post going to shows, going, you know, invited me over to Thanksgiving and things like that. So, That's like, awesome. Really, the internet like, can be magical. <laughs> yourself out there and seeing what happens is a very, very real thing. Yeah, I'm sure it helps so much with, like, uh, not only making friends, but putting your music out there, too, and stuff. Have you had some any positive reactions or interactions on the internet with great white? Oh my God. Yeah. It's been like a lot. I, um, just yesterday I got like some fan mail that was just like really like personal and really like, I like, I cried over it. Like it was that meaningful and it was just amazing. Like, uh, every, I think, uh, we've, we've been playing shows for like four or five months now. And like, it's been like the reception has been great. People have been coming to us like it used to be. I try and book a show and it takes me three months to get one show booked in Kansas City. But like here, like everyone's like, I heard of your band. We'd love to play with you. Here's our band. And it's like the band is great. The people are great. They're really nice. And it's just really so it's a real like eye opener to like see how many people like you, you've touched and how they feel. And yeah. it makes me feel less alone also. Absolutely. Do you have any favorite people that you've played with or that you enjoy playing venues Oh my God. Yeah. Favorite people in bands, definitely Bay Faction who just moved here from Boston. They're like the sweetest people I've ever met. Um, we're playing this weekend with Future Teens, which is also from Boston. We did a weekend tour with them last month. It's just like finding all these great bands that like have the same ethics and, and are on the same mission. It's like, it never gets old. There's like, it, I could list band after band after band and I wouldn't be done in hours. It's, it's amazing. I'm so glad you mentioned Future Teens. I just had Amy on the podcast. Like, I think that was my most recent episode. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, they're yeah. so nice. Yeah, seriously, what a wonderful band and people. So, yeah. and I'm so glad you're interacting with these people. I always get excited whenever I meet bands who like know other bands and they all share the same like belief structure, like you were saying, and like mission and all that stuff. So that's so cool to me. Um, what's your favorite part about playing these live shows and how do you feel about playing with your bandmates and stuff? Um, my favorite part now it's like, since, you know, we've only been playing for a few months, it's like all these new venues. Cause in Kansas city, there are maybe like five or 10 and then obviously New York, there's like with the New Jersey and the surrounding boroughs are like 15 million people. So it's like, we can play a new venue every weekend and it's still like not even a fraction of all of them. So that's pretty cool. And then also like meeting the other bands 
seeing like how well I like get, I get really excited about like a really stacked lineup where like it meshes really well, like a theme to the night kind of thing. But just like meeting the other bands, like finding out that they're really great people also and like making plans to go to their city if they're not from here or doing a weekend there. Like that's what happened with Future Teens. We hopped on a last second show because a band dropped off. And then a month later, we were doing a tour with them. And this month now we're seeing them again on Saturday. Because it's like building band friendships, something I never got to do before. That's so special. And I feel like it's very motivating, too, when you're playing with these people that share the same, like, favorite styles of music and being able to, like, just collaborate and then enjoying each other playing live, too. That's got to be so much fun. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Well, I'm so glad to hear that. Um, do you have a favorite song that you like to play live? Um, probably right now. It's the suburbs because we've only just now started playing that song because it's so hard for me. <laughs> it's a lot of screaming, a lot of off time guitar parts. So that one, I think we've only played it live like five or six times. Mm-hmm. That's definitely because it's such a challenge to do for me. That's definitely my favorite right now. That's exciting. Yeah, I, I feel like that one's a lot of fun to hear live too. Um, how would you describe being at a great white show? Because unfortunately, I haven't seen you yet. <laughs> um. Usually, like, you know, we get there pretty early. We're hanging out with the other bands, talking to people. It always feels like it's, like, half halfway a party, halfway a show. We have, like, you know, a good amount of friends and bands that come out every time. And, like, it's just, you know, we'll be on stage and in between banter, and they'll just, you know, have some input, and we'll just be talking to people and, like, just trying to have, like, a memorable show, talking to people and trying to be funny, which is always, like, me and my bandmates trying to, like, one-up each other in a fun way. <laughs> It's like, it's never really been like that before. So it's just like a fun time hyping up each other. You know, we're just gassing each other up. And then the band, the next band is great. And the band before us is great. And it's just like a really fun time. That sounds like it. Um, what's your favorite, like, part of playing with your current bandmates in lineup? And, uh, like, what do you feel like each of you get to bring to the music now? Um, I don't know, because we just, like, met before the album came out and like we're like we're just gonna do this and play shows and like it just was kind of we all went into it blind and it just it's, it was just clicking really well so it's been like eli the drummer like he's like a wild drummer it's amazing but he'll wear like the most random crazy things like he showed up in a a pan-african onesie man male romper to the last <laughs> show and just just like with the ultimate confidence, just knowing that it's the most badass thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Natasha, she's like, she's like the oldest of the group. So she has like, like a wisdom about her and she's just like shredding on the bass. And it's just like, the stage presence is great. She's like, she's just started singing backup. Mm-hmm. So like, she's just like front and center. And we're just all just, it just really clicks. Like we like each other, we play really well together. And we always are just like, well, why don't we do this next time? Like we never have a set set list, which is really fun also. So they're always just be like, let's try this. And I'll be like, I don't know. Like I haven't done it forever. And like, well, let's just try. And like, it's like a complicated part. So it's like pushing and challenging and really fun at the same time. It's perfect when you get to work with that kind of people and it's fun. It doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like it's a, that probably that big of a challenge at the end because you're just playing and having fun with these people that you've clearly grown close with. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I think I've known Eli for over a year now. Natasha, we met like literally, I played an acoustic show before the album came out. And she was just like, I need to play bass in your band. And like the next week, I think we had our first show and she knew she learned like eight songs, knocked them all out. It's just been great ever since. 
That's so cool. Well, it's got to feel good to be playing with these people who care about the music and just clearly they're, they're that excited to be playing with you too. I mean, to learn eight songs yeah. that fast is amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. I was just like in awe of it. It's amazing. That's awesome. Well, you've been playing music for some time now. You've grown really close to your bandmates. Um, what advice would you give a young person looking to involve themselves in music and even in the current DIY scene? Definitely my number one advice is to take your time. Cause like every other band before this, you know, like I would rush, we'd make a Facebook page that has no info on it, no music. We'd make, you know, announce our first show, but like, you know, we have no pictures online. So it's like, take your time. I think like we spend like a good nine months recording, getting our merch, getting our website, like getting all this stuff ready. So we just came out swinging right from the jump. And I feel like that's always like a better, it looks better to venues. It looks better to fans. It looks better to everyone. Cause it looks like, you know, you had a calculated effort ready to go. Yeah, it sounds, that sounds like amazing advice. And I feel like the more thought you put into these steps and kind of take your time, like you were saying, you at that point are able to do so much more, so much more quickly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like if you have, your album ready, your merch ready, like, and you just start playing shows immediately. Like, it's just, it just clicks. It just works really well. So I've been that band where it's like, we're going to play a show, but we have nothing to sell and we're driving two hours away. <laughs> Let's hope we make some money tonight off of, you know, ticket sales. So like, it's just, it's helping yourself in the end. Like it looks good, but it's also like helping yourself to know how to do it properly and have a good time. Totally agree with you. That makes sense to me. So, yeah. um, I always like to ask this question for fun with bands. Um, if you could play with any three bands, they can be currently active or you can resurrect them from the dead. Ooh. Who would they be? <laughs> oh my God. Say anything for sure. That's my all time favorite band. Nice. Um, say anything. I don't know. Does it have to be like just emo music or like any, anything, anyone? anyone, anything. Oh my God. Say anything. Definitely chance the rapper. Nice. And it'd be just a weird mixed bill and, um, and Cody and Cambria. Not, no, no band would sound similar to the other one at all, but it would just be, it would be great. Mixed bills are the most fun anyway. Yeah. I would just be tears the second I walked in the door. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, I always tell people after they tell me that, I'm like, I hope that you get to play with one, if not all of these bands at some point, because yeah, an artist. Be yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're putting in the work. You're that excited. I feel like Great White's been having a lot of really cool exposure and stuff recently. So I keep seeing your name all over the place. So that's a good thing. Who knows? Awesome. Yeah, that's great. That's really good to hear. <laughs> yeah. What are some goals that you would like to have happen for Great White? Um, definitely, yeah, open for a medium to medium to medium large size band even if it's just like a week run on tour, like, you know, like, um, I guess get a van, which we're, we're trying to do now, but like have a van and just like do start doing weekenders at least a weekend there every month and just like really like grinding and getting out there. Maybe like, uh, one of those live sessions, you know, like audio tree or day trot or something like that. Just those three things would be amazing. Well, I'll keep my fingers crossed and I will be keeping an eye on like Audio Tree and Little Elephant and all that stuff. I'd love yeah, to see cool. you end up on one of those. That would be so exciting. Yeah, Little Elephant is great. I would love that. Yeah. Um, well, what do you have coming up? What are some things that people should be keeping an eye out for for Great White? Um, we're going on tour to South by Southwest, March 8th to the 17th. We're stopping with all the hits, uh, Philly. 
Um, Champaign, Illinois, Kansas City, everywhere in Texas, Austin, Houston, El Paso. So it's our first like real, real long tour. I think it's going to be like what, 10, 11 days. So we got that coming up. And then, um, I don't know, we've been talking about like maybe releasing an EP or doing a split with the band, just like getting some more songs out. But we're still in the early phases of that, but definitely this tour for sure. Awesome. Well, everybody's going to have to make sure that they've checked you out. And uh, where can everybody keep up with get Great White Out on the Internet? Oh, my God. We've got a lot. Well, not a lot, actually. Just uh, Instagram.com slash Great White. Um, we have our actual website, which is thegreatwhite.com. We have Facebook, but I feel like Facebook is really not being really cool to artists anymore. <laughs> but we're on there, too. Yeah. We, we talked about getting a Twitter, but that might come later once we have a little more people that would be interested in that but yeah instagram and facebook for sure great and where can everybody find your music uh i think it's on bandcamp i think we we, we released it through cd baby so it should be on bandcamp spotify itunes like everywhere where music is sold is i think that's like the quote people say right so it's <laughs> a bandcamp for sure um because i think it's ten dollars on itunes it's only three dollars on bandcamp so the great white Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Eric. And everybody, go buy, download, stream, support, do what you got to, because this is a band that you are going to be obsessed with. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. That's so Any- great to you. Anytime. This time I'll try not yelling Just don't appreciate remarks About how real black people are jive Talking fatherless felons Who the fuck are you To tell me I'm not black enough Cause if I lost my cool In the eyes of the law I'd be two shades too dark to trust Being black Isn't getting to say the n-word Honestly, I prefer if no one said it at all No being black Isn't wearing a free chief keef tall t-shirt Waiting for your father or parole officer to call No, that's not it fucking asked you your opinion on Tyler Perry or interracial relationships or how you want to fuck a black girl cause objectification some accomplishment or how easy I must have it cause what's in my pants must be really big but being black isn't having a 12 inch dick although I've let that assumption get me laid more times than I care to admit I'm being black isn't being a mad woman Having the trick or gold dick To support hood rat kids oh, That's not it
Great White. This brilliant band has been making so many exciting moves from South by Southwest to even more and more amazing shows. I'm obsessed and empowered by their music and I can't wait to see what is next. So everybody go follow Great White on all their streaming platforms, buy the music, go to some shows. They are amazing. That's it for this week, but you can keep up with me online. Follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for regular updates. Subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and Google Play, with hopefully Spotify on the way. The momentum is high lately, thanks to so many of you submitting your bands and projects to be guests. April, I will be launching weekly episodes to try to keep up. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, email me at angrygirlmusic at gmail.com with a link to your music, your label, your photography blog, whatever you do. I welcome anyone who is involved in the music scene because this is your platform. Until next time, stay angry and stay supportive of the Parkland student activists. Someone give me the details about when men decided they could control the reproductive rights of a female. Swing a hatred towards the ladies when none of them could ever have babies. Posting shady so-called facts, clipping to doing God's work to take it away while they don't ever give back. So condemn your friends for daring to step in to defend and embrace their sexuality. Please, while failing to see the dichotomy.
Freedom ring and I could be anything they forgot to say. Sure, woman, like a 